welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 13th of April 2014, entitled Sin's Dominion versus Grace's Freedom, Part 1. And the Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 23. Here's Pastor Larry C. Curtis. If you'd like to be opening your Bibles to Romans chapter 6 this morning, we'll be taking our reading. For any of you that have maybe... Uh, been here for a length of time. When we tried to go through the book of Romans verse by verse, it wasn't a quick trip. <laughs> and it's uh, just such a phenomenal amount that God has for us in this precious book. What we're going to do this morning, though, God willing, we're going to attempt, we're going to read all of chapter 6 to get the context here. And we're going to look at a main thought that I believe is being given to us from this chapter that's very very important to us today. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word as we begin in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. The word of God says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him, wherein that he died. He died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, being then made free from sin, ye become the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh." 
Whereas ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants, to righteousness, unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? Well, the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin... Become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we do thank you again, Lord. Lord, that as we're gathered to hear that we, we read these precious truths and we're reminded of just what was accomplished for us by Jesus Christ on that cross because of the wonderful grace that you've bestowed upon us. We pray now that as we look at these thoughts this morning that, Lord, you would help us. Help us to grasp the importance of what you're saying to us here. Help it to be applied to our lives in a way, Lord, that would make each and every one of us more like our Savior. For it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. It's hard sometimes when we start trying to evaluate the cost of some things. We can look back throughout man's history and we can see that there are those that have gone before us that have paid some very great prices so that we may merely have, even as we are enjoying here this morning, this thing called freedom. That we can have the freedom to gather together and to have God's word and to speak God's word. Mankind has time and time again come under the dominion of that selfish, prideful, sinful, I guess, uh, dictators of, of, of men that we find even in scriptures, those evil rulers that God tells us about. And throughout humanity, there seems to be those that have placed their dominion over mankind for their own selfish greed. To many, no price was too high to pay for the freedom that we enjoy today. But in the passage that we read before us here today, we're, we're told of another ruler that has at some time or another has had each and every one of us under his dominion. And if we were to try to think of the worst, most evil rulers of history, the one that we find here is more ruthless and prideful than any of the others that we might even begin to mention. As a matter of fact, he's the one himself that has dominion over the worst of mankind's that we may mention this morning. He is the very root of all of that selfishness. He is the very root of all of those evil ways that they might come up with. He is the most self-centered and jealous. He will stop at nothing to satisfy his lust. No matter how much he gets, 
No matter how many that he has under his dominion, it's never enough. He always wants more. His name? Sin. Sin. Now, you might think that I would say Satan. But you really can't distinguish between the two of them in these truths. The Bible here is talking about this sin that has dominion over a human being, has dominion over each and every one of us in our sinful state. The problem with, with this one is that he is so cunning. He is so slightful, so deceitful that most people never even realize just how much that he is manipulating them for his own gain. Now, many times when we see somebody and we feel like that they're trying to manipulate us for something that is going to benefit them, it makes us very angry. And yet this one manipulates like no other. Another problem is that he's so, so strong, so powerful. You know, we could, again, look at history and we could find these these rulers that stand out above the others because they had such strength and they were able to conquer other people, to have dominion over others, and, and that's why they stand out. This one is so powerful that we stand no chance to win in the strength that we have. We could sacrifice everything that we have, everything, but it wouldn't be enough to satisfy this one. We and ourselves are not able to overthrow him. We're not able to overpower him. We are helpless before him because he has such power over us. But God has given us a solution. God has given us a solution, which he tells us about here, that will set us free from that one. Though we could sacrifice everything and do everything and still be held under his dominion, God himself has given us the one way that we can be set free. That solution, as we have sung about this morning, is called grace. God's marvelous, wonderful grace. You see, in this instance, Someone was willing to make the greatest sacrifice of all time, to pay the highest price that has ever been paid for that thing called freedom. In order for you and I and anyone else that will come through that means of grace in order that we could be set free, God gave his only begotten son. Jesus willingly went and died upon that cross, which God willing, next week we have that day set aside so the, though for us as Christians every day should be a day of celebration for the resurrection of our Savior. That's why we worship on Sundays because it was the day that they found the empty tomb. Next week we celebrate that Great resurrection that proves and shows to each and every one of us that not only was he free, 
but he set us free. Now, approach this with some caution also because the truth is many times for us as we try to take and, of course, Paul told young Timothy to study to show himself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I have had many questions asked to me lately concerning this whole matter of sin and grace and the law and grace and how that they intertangle with each other because it's, it's hard for us sometimes. We find that many that we would know personally today are struggling with those things today. In fact, in God's Word, God doesn't try to make it hard for us to understand. He tries to make it simple for us to grasp and understand. We are the ones that tend to complicate things. In order for us to grasp and understand this, I, I really want us just to look at these two things in comparison in relation to each other that he's giving us in this chapter. One is sin's dominion, and the other is grace's freedom. Sin's dominion versus grace's freedom. He told us there in verse 14, he said, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. I mean, we stop and, and try to understand this one that we said is, is more powerful than any evil ruler that's ever been, that has all this strength and all this power. What does it mean to have dominion? Well, the dictionary says it's to be lord of, to rule, to have dominion over. It's used of, of things or forces that have the power to control someone else. As we consider some things about sin, as a cruel ruler, the Bible says reigns unto death. We might ask ourselves the question, well, what right does he have? What right does sin have to rule over me? Does sin and Satan have that right? Well, sin gained the right. And he gained that right back in the very first book and the very first chapter. We read back in Genesis chapter 1. And in verse 26, when God said, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Who was given the original right to have domain over everything, every other living thing that God had created? the first man he created, Adam. God gave that dominion, that right to rule. But you see, sin came along and robbed Adam of that right. And that sin has been on the throne ever since. And as he sits upon that throne, he, he rules with this cruel bondage that he exercises on all of his subjects 
that are helpless to do anything about it. You see, it's actually the authority to rule that he took from man and that he himself now exercises upon this earth. Look in the Gospel of Luke, if you would. Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, notice what he says there in verses 5 to 7. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 7. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. Satan talking to who? Jesus Christ. And he's trying to tempt Jesus Christ. And as he's there and he's got him on this high mountain, he says, you know, just look. All of this power I'm going to give to you. Why? Because it was delivered to me, and I can give it to whoever I want to give it to. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Satan even had the power to offer it to Jesus Christ. God gave it to man. But in the garden, man was tempted. And he disobeyed the one prohibition that God had given him. And at that moment, sin took that dominion that had been given to man. We find that because of our choice, in the beginning of our humanity, we gave sin that dominion in our lives. He has the right to rule. Do, does he have the power to rule? You know, somebody can be given the right, but does he have the power? Well, I can tell you that we can't even begin to measure and understand. That's why that if people truly grasp and understand that this one called Satan is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy, I have absolutely no doubt that if some awesome, evil, powerful person was chasing after you, and you know whether he broke into your house or whether he found you on the job or whether he's chasing you down the street, he is there, he's come to destroy you, and you can see the power that he's got to do it, what would you do? You'd either run from him if you had nothing to fight him with, or you'd stand up against him if you did. Well, this one called Satan, we know. I mean, where's our thinking? He is there for our destruction. Are we going to kid ourselves? Are we going to deceive ourselves? Well, he's not really such a bad guy. He's not really going to hurt me. He's going to let me have a good time, and I'm going to enjoy it, and who knows what the future holds. We better recognize our enemy. We better recognize the power that he has. In Revelation chapter 13, Verses 3 and 4. Word of God says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. 
They worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast who is able to make war over him? Who's able to stand against this one? Of course, we find that in the latter days, he will show himself with that great power that he, he has, Satan, the power that he has, the power that he holds. Well, we're reading here in Romans, notice in chapter 7 in verse 18 that it says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Why is that? Because of that dominion that sin has over us. Because of our enemy. He has the power to rule because of our depravity. Because of who we are. He also sometimes has power over us, not just because of our depravity, but sometimes we give it to him just because of our, our peers. <laughs> you see, you need to realize the world around you is under his control. Those people around you, they are under his control. Good, moral people will do wrong simply because everybody else is doing it. <laughs> simply because it's what's going on around them. He has power over us because of our depravity, because of our peers, and we allow him this power because we are more worried about what somebody else is going to think of us and fitting into to their crowd. In Hebrews chapter 2, we find another reason that he has power over us. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. You see, he has power over us because he has that power of death. Jesus died to take that power from him. Satan uses that fear of death to terrorize people. We find that one thing that is pretty frightening when we really stop and, and take it to its conclusion, and that's what we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Another power that he has in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, notice what it says in verse 3 and 4. It says, but, whoops, 2 Corinthians, I was in 1 Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, small g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil has the power to blind people to the truth of the gospel. Now, this is important for a lot of reasons. Number one, there's an awful lot of people out there that 
maybe have never, ever, ever had anything to do with Christianity or the church or never even professed to be any kind of, of Christians or followers of God whatsoever, the Bible says he has the power to blind them. You see, when they're operating in their natural, normal minds, the devil can blind them to that truth. What's more frightening is our churches are filled with people that are sitting in seats just like we are here this morning. And they got all the religious baggage. They call themselves Christians. They consider themselves okay with God. But in fact, Satan's got them blinded because they're basing that upon some religious activity. They're basing it upon some prayer. They prayed some words sometime that in actual fact, it was never anything from the heart. They were never sorry for their sin. They never genuinely sought God to forgive them because of what was in their heart. They were following some religious pattern that, that somebody asked them to do. And they're blinded because they sat there and they have convinced themselves that they're Christians, that they're saved, that they're on their way to heaven. And then they wonder why they don't have any joy in that faith. And they wonder why that they struggle with so many things that they just can't figure out why. We have no power over this enemy. We cannot defeat him. Well, sometimes he might give you a little tantalizing carrot or something to make you think that you're making progress. But in the end, we can never, we can never win over. He has the right of dominion because we gave it up in the garden. He has the power to have dominion, a power that the Bible shows us in place after place that we have no hope against whatsoever. He can blind you to the fact, you know, you sit there thinking that you're okay. When all along, he's sitting back and laughing and winning because he is getting the victory in destroying you both now and forever. We need to recognize we have no hope. He does have dominion. He does have this power upon us. You know, people are conned all the time. A lot of times, one of the amazing things is after they have been conned, they're too ashamed to let anybody else know. They feel ashamed that they... They let somebody get the upper hand of them in that way, that they let somebody, that they were, pardon the expression, that they were just so stupid <laughs> that somebody could actually fool them into believing that. Can you imagine how foolish that some are going to feel when they stand before the great white throne of judgment? And they have to admit that they had the truth there all the time and they let Satan pull the wool over their eyes. They let Satan make them believe a lie. One of the great lies today we see all around us plugging away. God didn't really create all this. <laughs> We're not really accountable to anybody. We're just accountable to ourselves. It just uh, all happened and one day it's going to finish and it's going to be gone. The power of Satan. 
blinding people to the truth. He not only has the power to blind, he has the power to bind. You see, when we're caught in his trap, then the truth is, is that we have no way of freeing ourselves. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Moreover, we must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. The snare, the trap. When I was a youngster, I used, to, I used to go out into the woods and I used to set snares. I used to set traps. You know, it might be to, to catch a rabbit or a squirrel or something like this. It didn't really matter, just catching something, you know. But uh, let him go afterwards. But once he got in that trap, once he was in that snare, he couldn't get out unless somebody let him out. Bible says we need to be careful lest we be caught in that snare. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, and in verse 26, he says, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And we want to think that we've got the upper hand in all this. Human beings want to feel that they've got control. But the truth is, is that this dominion, this bondage that sin has over us, that Satan won from us there in the Garden of Eden, that we are so often completely, totally blinded to, the truth is, is that it is real. And he desires not just to destroy your life now, but he wants you for all of eternity. That greed to rule, rulers that place their subjects under domain, they, they're usually working from motives of, of greed, either greed for more power or greed for position so that they can be seen as the most important, most powerful person in the world, uh, a greed for uh, possessions to have more uh, financial things in this world and things to, uh, to enjoy in that way. We find that the Word of God in the book of Ezekiel chapter 28, the book of Ezekiel chapter 28 Notice what he says to us, beginning in verse 14. Thou art anointed the cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane, 
out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Satan, before the fall, the Bible says he was an anointed cherub, and we could look in other places, but the Bible is clear on that. And of course, that's where evidently the first sin entered into creation, not in the Garden of Eden, but when it entered into Lucifer himself. The Bible says here that Satan fell. Why? Because of pride and greed. He was so beautiful. <laughs> he was such a sight to behold. And of course, he, he wanted everything for himself. He was as good as God. He now has a desire to rule over this world. And he does that through mankind. Of course, we know that days are coming. The fruition of all of Satan's evil will be seen more clearly than ever during those great years of tribulation upon this earth. They will come to fruition like man has never seen before. But of course, Satan, and listen carefully, and all those that have been deceived by him they will fail utterly and finally. The victory is ours. And that's what we're reading about here in our passage in Romans chapter 6 when he says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. Sin will no longer have dominion over anyone. Sin will no longer. Be present upon this earth when our Lord comes back. You see, the first thing, if we're going to grasp and understand, and we're going we're to leave it here this morning, and we'll come back, and I want to show you one of the most beautiful things in all the world. You see, we are foolish not to recognize the power, the dominion that sin and Satan have over us in ourselves, in our flesh. He does have the right because we gave it up. We chose sin. He does have the power. He has a power that is beyond anything that we can make in our human minds, in our human abilities. Satan is more powerful than we can never destroy him. We can never take him on. In that power, we need to realize he is blinding people. People are deceived. And the sad thing is, is that in so many cases, they know the truth. They've heard the truth. 
The Bible tells us be careful because this one, his dominion and his power, if the gospel is hid, is hid to them that are lost. It can't be hid to a saved person. <laughs> That's for sure. But to many that are lost, it's genuinely hid. They don't see it. And of course, there's only one that can take off those shades. Jesus Christ, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You can move to that grace, which we'll look more at later. But today, we need to understand Number one, if we're saved, oh, how glorious. We've got so much to praise and be thankful for. Can you comprehend how we would feel in this natural world if, if someone had power and dominion over us and they were controlling our lives and they were controlling everything about us and whatever our sacrifice was, we finally won that victory and was set free from that power and we had the freedom once again to live and to make our choices and to live a life that we could enjoy. We'd be ecstatic, and yet we fail to remember sometimes just what we've been set free from, where our life was at, what kind of power that we were under, the dominion that had control over our lives, that one that had dominion over us. Today, we ought to be praising him. We've been set free by the wonderful grace of God today. If you're here, or maybe somebody will listen to this sermon later, the simple truth is you need to realize who your enemy is to think that you could somehow control that sin or get the upper hand of sin, that you think that you can defeat that one called Satan, You've deceived yourself beyond measure. Recognize only in Jesus Christ, sin hath no more dominion over us <laughs> because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You can be set free today, or you can choose, well, no, I don't want that freedom. I'm just going to stay under his power and under his control if you're trying to somehow convince yourself that you're not there when you are, let the glorious light of the gospel take those blinders off. Recognize today your hope is in Jesus Christ. You know, he's so much. He wants to give you that life. He wants to set you free. The lost person has no choice. God gives you a choice. Father, we thank you today. Lord, that as we look and recognize, we need to realize, and Lord, though, we make it look and say, oh, wow, you know, dark, we're talking about sin and Satan, but Lord, what we're really talking about is what you have set us free from. That's the dominion that was over our lives as Christians, but no longer is. Lord, we died to that, and we live in Christ. But Lord, there may be some here today that maybe the blinders are still on their eyes. Maybe they're being deceived because he is the great deceiver. And Lord, we have to ask ourselves, why in the world would I go along with his scheming? Why in the world would I want to fall into his, his snare, his trap? He only wants to destroy me now and for eternity. Why would I not want to be set free? 
of the glorious grace that can be ours through Jesus Christ. Oh, help us as Christians. Help us as the great songwriters to count our blessings. Name them one by one. Help us, Lord, to rejoice and celebrate what you've genuinely done for us and what you've set us free from. We'll give you all the praise and thanks for it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 